You're more cultured than than we are. Um, I doubt that. Well, than than me. <laughs> Joe, Joe, thank you for the clarification. Joe is cultured AF. You know, so Ooh. Yeah. audio frequency. Yeah, AF. Yeah, there you go. That's that's oh, that's okay. what I meant. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Is there another? Is there another? Uh, is there? Does it mean something else? Uh, it, <laughs> yes, actually, it does. Oh, there oh. is a there is a technical term as opposed to uh, the colloquial AF. <laughs> What? <laughs> colloquial. Really? Colloquial. colloquial. Is that what it would be? Colloquial speech. Can I spell AF? that? I can't spell that. You can't spell. I can't spell. Okay. Cool. I, I can spell it. I would say let's jump on it, guys. Cause uh Jump on it. Uh, jump on it. Extol. Jump on it. Jump on it. Jump on it. I'm the guitars and the bass. In this. I'm done with those shenanigans. Yeah, okay. nice. There are more shenanigans coming. More shenanigans coming. Always. Uh, we're going to ask you guys how Not Beneath's coming along. And uh, even if there's no news to report, just like make up something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we got big news coming up. <laughs> <laughs> big news. <laughs> uh, well, to give you. I guess the current state of it, it would be we we put a band together and we've been practicing. But then one of the guys had uh, his third child and stepped away for a good six months ish. And uh, now he's back in the band and now we are practicing again as a four piece. So beautiful. uh, We're we're, uh, Josh. I don't know how, how far away do you think we are from being show ready? How many? Couple months, three, three, four months. It could be less depending on everybody's schedules. Right. We are all fathers and people that have jobs, and it's just kind of like this is what doing a band at forty looks like, you know. <laughs> nice. This is what doing yeah. a podcast at forty looks like. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. You've got you've got a job. You uh, you do garage doors. Yes, I do. I used to do garage doors. Did garage doors for a decade. Oh man! So you're better at it than I am. <laughs> I've seen brand new cars that they didn't measure the roof rack, yep. and then they got it in somehow, and then pulled the entire door out on their brand new Explorer. Yep. <laughs> oh man! Um, I've had emergency service calls where the door is outside of the opening, hanging upside <laughs> down by one cable. And you're like, I don't want to stand underneath this. I can't reach the torsion bar. I can't do anything. Like, You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 141, X-Toll, with Josh and Danny of Not Beneath. Dang! <laughs> All the sugar dozen is 15. <laughs> Hosted by Dan Terry. That's me. All right, bitch. I'm pulling goddamn rank. We're not doing it. And Joseph Wren. This is everything you like, all at once. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think this is the first time, Circle Back Terminus will be the album of the week for everyone on the podcast, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. 
Josh and Danny are here again. Yo. The Meshuggah lineup returns. <laughs> Tonight on the return of four tired guys. <laughs> yeah. We had a whole weekend. I mean, it like I was driving down here almost falling asleep. I was like, this is not a good decision. I should yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll just keep driving. Falling asleep in the late <laughs> afternoon is scary. It's a little terrifying, but like you don't understand, man. Like we my wife woke me up at 6.05 this morning, and we went on a death march, which lasted, like, for a really long time. And then after that, we went to a family get-together in a park outside, and the children were, like, went off like rubber bands in 150 different directions. And I had to, like, keep track of them the entire time. And uh, that, that pretty much soaked up most of my mental, physical, and spiritual everything. You, you're, you're dealing with a husk of a man tonight. And I went what to a Norma Jean concert is. last night, so I can't hear anything either. So there's that. You didn't hear Memphis shall be laid to waste at all. They didn't play it. I scream foul. Well, you know, they, <laughs> they were, uh, they played mostly new stuff, which I mean, I don't like hate their new stuff, but you know, whenever you go to see Norma Jean, there's a certain like 14 year old version of myself. That's like, <laughs> this used to be the greatest band ever, you know? So there you was know, that. I saw the cure about, <laughs> I don't know, 14 years ago, something like that. And they did something similar where they only played new stuff. Well, not only, but they mostly played new stuff. And they played, I think, one or two, one, yeah, one or two songs off of Disintegration, and wasn't happy about that. Gotta say, oh, 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 well. It's so frustrating. <laughs> it's like just make the decisions that I want you to make. <laughs> <laughs> you came to my city. I want you to play the songs I like. Right. Why didn't you contact me to set up your set list? <laughs> Come on, Corey Brandon. Yeah, right. Could have been like, well, nothing uh, new. Everything off of dis- uh, disintegration, and then that's it. Were you not listening when I said six, six, four, seven, five? Right. So, Come uh, on. <laughs> so, uh, well, guys, tonight we're doing it. You guys called dibs on the Extol episode, and we, sure uh, did. we actually got an X-toll. We actually got an angry, not angry, but we got an email. It's angry from a guy that was all like, "You guys need to stop beating around the bush and do an Extol episode." What was the and I'm like, email address on that dude? I, I don't remember. It was something He's awesome. Hate mail about extol, about doing, just do. Like an you guys need episode. to do it. Yeah. Not you... beneath band at yahoo.com. No, that wasn't them. <laughs> no, actually, actually, I do remember the dude's email address. It was. Uh, oh. So that guy, that guy wants his Christian metal discussed. You know, in a in a timely Tonight. in a timely manner. Like you know, he was like, this is not cool. And I'm like, you know, tourniquet. I mean, that's. It's a step in the right direction, but I almost sent a message back being like, we don't negotiate with mortification fans. Uh, but uh, I thought that might be... Uh, we let them host the podcast every week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have like a Scrolls of Megaloth tattoo, uh, that's our, that's okay. You right. should see his ass. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Danny okay. Light. I can't yeah, leave right. that in the show, can I? I mean, you can do whatever you want, man. <laughs> You're the editor. But, uh, yeah, like, your first two albums, uh, fine. You know, but, yeah. like, everything else, yeesh. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a lot like being a fan of a lot of bands. Like, if you're a fan of anything that Metallica did after And Justice, uh, you know, that's fair. That's fair. But we've got a lot to disagree about. Absolutely. I'm telling you right now. Well, the good news so, is on Extol, I don't know if we do. There's a couple of places. There's some things I already know that Danny and I disagree with, about. So 
Let's get going. Let's get into it. 1998. Uh, yeah. Burial. <laughs> Burial. Yeah, so, uh... I went to Cornerstone 1998, uh, and all of a sudden I hear this noise coming from a, one of the tents. I think that Embodiment had, maybe had just played. Uh, they were, I think Embodiment was putting out Embrace the Eternal. Hell yes. And I heard from another tent, I heard some band playing, and I'm like, oh my word, what is this? Walked over, it's Extol, it's their first show i believe in america maybe they played that texas date earlier than cornerstone i'm not sure but their first trip to america i was lucky enough to see them and it was incredible yeah i don't even know what else to say to that because they are and i didn't get to see them whenever they first debuted i've actually never seen them live uh, because they can't ever get over here enough which i understand because like you know for the same reasons most bands have trouble like moving forward sometimes it's it's hard uh no matter how good your music is to to be everywhere at once and um i first heard the song burial i mean it just it just blew my mind because i didn't really listen to death metal at that time like i didn't i had zero point of reference for what i was hearing but it was so undeniably awesome that i was like oh my god like these guys can play on a level that like nobody that i've ever met can play like they this is not like the hardcore bands i was listening to this was like super intentional, super technical, heavy with like vocals that were like just terrifying. Yeah, I I think I think to make a point, I think that there is almost zero frame of reference for Extol. Period. No matter if you've been into death metal or into progressive metal or black metal, that that first record, Burial was like, I have never heard anything like this. There is right. nothing that I can really realistically compare it to. And so I that's what that grabbed way. me. Is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the first time I heard Burial was was well later. I, I heard it in, in 99 because the band I was in at the time, Outcry, um, was going to play Cornerstone 99 and on the way there was, or actually no, on, on the way there wasn't the first time I heard them, but um, they were playing that year as, as well. But 90, in 99 was the first time I heard them. And uh, yeah, getting to see them at Cornerstone 99 was the only time I got to see Extol. It's pretty, pretty incredible. But yeah, Burial was still out at the time. And uh, it, let me see, my, my favorite track, I think, yeah, I think my favorite track was Burial. is either that or Celestial Completion. Both of those were my favorite tracks on on Burial. Yeah, Burial's got this intro to it. Like it it takes a little while to get going. And they're like it just like it it starts off like on full blast and then it just goes into this like really weird that's like like and like I I don't know, like that's the technical term for it, by the way, in case you guys didn't know. But like I just I couldn't get past how cool that sounded because it's just the guitar. It's it's just the guitar, drums and bass. And as basic as that sounds, the kind of sounds that they created, like they're they're definitely using their own weird tuning. You know, they've got they've got a guitar tone that doesn't sound like anything I've really ever heard before. And they're playing at such a technical level that like I can't keep up with it. Even now, whenever I listen to it, I'm just like, what are you what are you doing? <laughs> like, I, I have no I have no idea. And like 
with the vocals what i like about the vocals on this record and we'll talk about it on the next one too is that these vocals were a little bit more like straight ahead like they were just the vocals yes. there wasn't a whole bunch of like processing and post effects and stuff thrown onto them and uh in a, in a way that's that's what i think makes this record sound like a little black metal versus versus yes. the later stuff which was more death metal focused yeah i thought that this kind of was almost like a progressive black metal uh album at least when i the first time i heard it that's the closest box that i could fit it in um like wow this has this is really progressive but it does have the elements of, of black metal in it and that's it it was so it was so unique that it was kind of, it, was, it was one of those bands i was hoping wasn't going to be a one and done <laughs> thankfully they weren't but yeah um yeah this and the, i have to to throw john from circle back into this because i when i remember when we listened to the burial and um first track into another dimension and the breakdown would happen with the uh um I don't know whatever that instrument is, like an ocarina. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> flute, you know, from yeah. Zelda. Yeah, and yeah, flute. right. Yeah. <laughs> John just like losing it <laughs> over that part, thinking it was so incredible, and uh, it was. It was so unique for the time, but but it put you into kind of that, you know, that black metal forest with, you know, with mist. And, and horses and I'm gonna tell you, you know, a the- gothic story about a castle <laughs> and a man who hides in the trees at night and sings songs at the passersby. Well, no, it's you're right. Like it, stone church. It makes you want to put on corpse paint and like grab a sword and get lost in the woods. You know, like it's, right. it's, it's awesome in that regard. And I think it's really cool, you know, talking about the uniqueness of the band that, that the first thing that you hear when you pop that record is, is into another dimension. And it's like so accurately titled because you are in a different dimension when you're listening to this record. Right. Like it is not your conventional death metal. It's not your conventional anything at all. Like, yeah. Yeah. And like, how did you guys feel whenever the clean vocals came in? Um, I loved them. Loved them. At the time, I wasn't that sure about it. Cause I mean, it was like, that was a time in my life where it was like no clean singing, not acceptable to sing cleanly <laughs> in whatever I'm listening to. But I made an exception because it was like, I don't know, there, there was just something different about it. And it hit all the right, you know, things for me. It checked a lot of boxes and made me feel nice. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it kind of harkened back to uh, like Striper, which I think is probably one of their and influence at least, you know, but uh, I don't know. I used to really like Striper. I still do like Striper. <laughs> Well, one of my biggest. In, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I was into a lot of um, European metal in in the, in the '90s, and I always viewed the American side of, of metal and hardcore as being the heavier, more aggressive type of music, whereas the European side tended to be more melodic. So I was already used to the the European format, but uh, extol pushed those boundaries too and that the types of melodies they were doing were so different that really anything that kind of came along with it even the singing i thought was very well done but um so i was kind of already used to that that type of that genre of 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 metal um yeah 
I wasn't listening to X-Toll in the late 90s. I started playing guitar no. right around 15, 16, and lifelong Metallica fan, Megadeth fan, Slayer. So when I got to the point where I had played all the songs that I liked, I started looking for more bands that played that style of music, thrash. But the sure. 80s style of guitar playing, what was basically hard rock, but everybody called it hair metal or heavy metal, I was looking for that, and I found X-Toll by accident. I was not into the vocals, even though Dan forced me to change my mind. Well, you were just wrong. I mean, that's <laughs> right. so just yeah, something obviously. simple like that. Yeah. But the way they play at the time reminded me of Slayer. The way that it's just a straight ahead, here's the beat, it's constant, the guitars are straight thrash. Oh, and we're going to do some little time changes and things just to scare everyone. It was interesting, and I still enjoy it. Just not for the same <laughs> reasons that Dan Terry was looking for. <laughs> well, what I what I hear a little bit on this record, the only comparison that I can really throw it on there is death. I hear a little bit of death. You don't hear that That's Opeth reference again? Yeah, I mean, because there there are songs, I think, and I could be wrong about the track title, but there's a song on there called, I think, Superior, which has a lot of, um, like, a little bit of a death sound of perseverance uh, vibe to it. And, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. the, obviously he didn't have, like, Chuck's, like, shrill, you know, uh, vocal delivery, right. but um, it would <laughs> it would have fit there uh, for sure. And uh, I really I really loved being able to hear everything on this record because there's a lot of people that actually don't like Burial. Believe it or not, it is not like a favorite amongst some Exile fans because they say, well, it just sounds flat. It sounds like a like death metal production, album. Like production wise, it sounds flat. Yes, but like if you compare it to something like Undeceived, which we'll get to in a minute, um, that record is very like bottom end heavy. Whereas Extol is is somewhat more of just a flat like center um, That's recording. That's interesting to hear. Yeah, and um, it's uh, but like I don't mind it because I can hear everything clearly. Like there's a separate yeah. there's a separation of instruments there where you know yes they are absolutely heavy but they're not using they're not resorting to a lot of tricks that a lot of the heavy bands use to make their record sound heavier maybe than the band really is. It's like classic thrash. It's mixed in the middle because eventually it's going to be on a cassette tape in somebody's car. Well, even for the time, that wasn't really. Um, the recording quality wasn't really outside of the norm. There was, at, you know, in the 90s, there were so many albums that just sounded different. And to me, that was normal, whereas a lot of albums today kind of sound at least sonically very, very similar. Um, I'm not, I mean, not, not a good, good or bad thing, but for the time when... Um, when Burial came out, it was very in line with the rest of the original recordings that were out um, in the 90s. Yeah, and especially with like solid state stuff, you know, at the time it was very on par. Although I actually do think stuff like Blood and Fire and maybe even Living Sacrifices Reborn sounded a little bit more beefy, but beef, yeah. beef wasn't what Extol was about. You know, um, they could be as extreme as you want. I just want to throw out there that, like, this is my favorite Extol record. And I don't know if it's just because it's the first one I heard. A lot of the time, that can be, you know, the deciding factor for a lot of people. I definitely think that they got better than this. But as far as, like, actual, um, like, preference, like, which one I'm going to throw on first whenever I think of the band, it's pretty much always this one. And it's because 
there's so much stuff that like you can listen to this record you know 20 years later or literally mm-hmm. 20 years later and hear things that you didn't hear before like there's yeah. so much intricacy within the song that you're gonna miss the first like hundred times you listen to it <laughs> either that or I just suck at hearing things you know you did say you were deaf after the Norma Jean show <laughs> well that's true I, I am <laughs> and I like bands like Norma Jean so like you know where's my opinion really matter <laughs> Hey, Norma Jean's great. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So how was the Norma Jean show, Dan? Well, uh, it was loud. That's about all I remember of it. Huh? It was really loud. What? <laughs> it was super loud. So, so loud. Lots of screaming. The vocalists seemed very angry. Was it packed? It was pretty packed, yeah. Yeah, yeah there was a band that opened up called nice. Gideon, who... Um, yes. They heard... Yep. They recently stopped the whole, like, being a Christian band thing, and they went, like, they did, like, an about yeah, phase. Yeah, so dudes like literally like let's open up this fucking pit, man. Like it was so like I've seen Gideon so many times before this, and like to see them like throw down like a profanity laden performance was very very odd, you know. But uh, they they rocked it. I mean, they still did the thing that they came to do, you know. <laughs> so it right. worked out. But yeah, I, I actually did not stick around for the Devil Wears Prada at the end, but uh, I because uh, I'm old and I just didn't. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I haven't listened to that. I, I, it's nothing against oh, them. I just, yeah. I haven't listened to that band since I was like a teen, and I just don't care. Like I, I didn't want to sit through a whole set list of songs I didn't know. But anyway, for sure. Back to extra. Yeah, are we going to be covering the EPs from Extol as well? We can briefly <laughs> cover them if we have time. Okay, because the next one that came up was in 1999, Mesmerized. and that's the one that Josh and I. Yeah, that, that's. I see. I really like it, and Josh is not so much a fan. I don't know how you can like it. It's my least favorite release. Really? I don't know how you yeah, can not I, like it. I'll tell you how. Industrial. <laughs> the industrial half of the EP. Yeah. Okay. I, like, I get I, that. It's, but... it's, unli- it's unlistenable to me. Yeah. The other the other songs, the, the, the few tracks that are like there that aren't industrialized. Yeah, they're great. But as soon as those industrial tracks hit, I'm like, I have been over industrial music for a good long while already. I think that came out in like 99. You know, I think I was, I think I was done with industrial after, I I think the last thing I liked when I, maybe Clank, that Clank record. (laughs) record. Very nice. Clank, we we love Clank. Last time I remember, last time I remember actually liking an industrial record was that Clank record. Yeah, you know, so I don't know. Well, I, I didn't mind the industrial part of it. the The thing for me was that um, it's it kind of sounded like if Mortise did something good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of Mortise. I mean, you know, God love you if you are, but I'm. Um, I am not. <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't really pay attention to the industrial songs on that. Like to me, that was just fluff. Okay. So like, whenever I ripped the CD to my first MP3 player, you know, I didn't include those songs. So when I think That's of fair. so when I when I think of mesmerized, I think of just like those three tracks that were at the beginning. And I mean that those original songs were some killer stuff. Like it to me, those songs were the perfect bridge between the burial sound and the undeceived sound. Like you could see them kind of going. Because there's a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, you know, Extol used to be great, old Extol. And, and I'm like, yeah, but like there are very, very, there's a very distinct difference in sound between Burial and Undeceived. 
and um, and this this album is kind of like or EP is kind of like just a perfect bridge, which is what I think EP should be. It's not your fault. We don't usually talk about EPs. Yeah, the <laughs> the song um, the song that stands out to me the most on Mesmerized is the Prodigal Son. How yeah. it just starts yeah. off with that like dank like like it's like the dirt, and he just comes in like so powerful. Why did I leave? And then you like there's like effects on his voice though. Like it's one of the first times. You're just like, oh, okay, he's going to do, like, the voice effect thing now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Extol had, like, their very first demo, I think, had Prodigal Son on it, and yeah. it sounds really different. But, yeah, those those three songs on, on Mesmerized, uh, at least, you know, the, the metal ones, I really, really, really dig. Oh, yeah. I mean, it opens up with it. I'm like, oh, that's so that's so good. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the, the, at least what, covering those three songs, they're, they're, they're quite quite good. Yeah, but, they're yeah. they're really good. Storm of Disillusion is it, like which starts off with like the cleans, like they brought those back, and yeah. they sound even dun, dun, better. Dun. They sound even yeah, better yeah. than they did before. Like it's just such an epic intro to that song that you're just like you're like totally with it throughout. And then if you're listening to the CD version and not my specially made version, then uh, you're gonna hear those industrial tracks af- afterwards, which definitely take me out of it quite a bit. Uh, but <laughs> you so, know, to 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 sum up. If if it was just a three song EP, it's great. Solid gold. Yeah. You made me mad by giving me fluff. And by giving also, you remixes, industrial remixes. Also, I don't feel like they did that at any other time throughout the rest of their career. They did where they gave me <laughs> where they gave me stuff that I'm like, I don't like this. I'm literally ready to throw half this record away. Right. You know? So um Maybe they were just into it and thought, hey, this is a good idea, and they needed a certain track count for the record label to be happy with them or whatever as far as the release goes. But, you know, it just makes me really wonder what was going through there. Maybe they really were into it. I I, I don't know. They might have had that one guy in the band that was way into industrial and decided to sit down with his keyboard and say, hey, guys, I've got the closing of the record. The Ballad of Buddy Bigsby. (laughs) Well, to to throw this in there, so the lineup for for Burial had Peter Espival, Krister Espival, um, the the guitar player, right? Ule uh, Barud. Um, and so he and and those two together to me made extol. But then like they, they had a um, they had a bass player on burial, but he quit. And then for mesmerized, they got that uh, that Tor Glidier. Yeah, he I can't was in, pronounce that guy's name. He was in that other band, uh, Langsell. Yeah, Langsell. Yeah, he was in Mantric, and he played bass on on mesmerized. Um, so there's kind of the link into a couple albums into the into their future so to speak but yeah maybe we should we should hit on maybe move to undeceived now let's jump on undeceived well before we move on to undeceived i'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast thank you for listening and for subscribing if you are not a subscriber then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com we are on spotify apple and google podcasts tune in radio stitcher so if you have an amazon echo or a google home you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. 
Hey, well, thanks so much, Joe, for that wonderful introduction. I will tell you about five-star reviews. I have one for you guys to read as soon as I pull up in my email. <laughs> loading, loading, loading. We do, we do this every week, and he still has to pull it up on yeah, his email. Well, you know. <laughs> so Josiah Russell from Australia says, Solid podcast, guys. I really enjoy the concept of looking at the entire discographies rather than stand standalone albums by artists. It definitely gives the ability to look at progression, regression, change of mind and heart, and get a holistic view of who they are. One gripe I have, when you guys start talking about specific parts of songs you like and dislike, it'd be awesome to hear what you're talking about. I know it's on the on in the background, but I would love to hear specific examples of parts of tracks that you were talking about. Another comment is thank you for making a positive Dead Z episode. The Roach Coach hates Dead Z, and I'm glad you guys love them. Keep it up, guys. Keep looking looking forward to future episodes. So I, first of all, thank you for leaving a five-star review. But the, the, secondly, the thing about using specific parts of songs is that, like, there are, like, actual killer robots on the internet that will go and look for us playing specific examples of uninterrupted audio, and they will shut us down uh, if we use them. So we, we can't. We want to, but we can't. I'm sorry. Look for the playlist in the show notes every week. Yeah, we usually will do a playlist of songs that we talked about on the episode, so that's one place that you can look at to find the specific songs we're talking about. And like I said, that's just a technical limitation, man. We, we would totally be doing it already if we if we felt like we could. But thank you so much for the five-star review. And the other thing I want to say beyond reviews is reviews are great. We love reviews. They make me feel better as a person. I sleep better at night, all that good stuff. But uh, the the biggest thing that you can do to help our podcast out is to share the episodes. When you hear an episode and you like it, you probably have like five or six friends in your social media that like it too. So if you share the episode with them, then they get to hear what we've got going on on the podcast and so on and so forth. So you know what I was thinking? Here's what I was thinking. As you're doing the five-star reviews and the guy was saying, why can't you do specific parts? You should make the people doing the discussion like hum or imitate the parts that they're talking about. That's the thing, though. He does that. Should, uh, he yeah. starts talking about the thing that he likes, and out of nowhere, just da dun da dun da dun But making your guests do it would be pretty funny. We'll get you guys to do the newest song, you know, whatever your latest single is before the show's over. Straight acoustic. Skype delay and all. Good luck. Two thousand or two thousand and two, undeceived. Oh man, guys! <laughs> I, I need to get something off my chest right now. Which CD okay. versions do you guys have? Do you have the solid state version, or do you have the Century Media version? I have the solid state version. Me too. Me as well. Yeah. Okay, so we're all talking about the same record here. Okay. Right. I'm only saying mm -hmm. that because I was taking my kids to like a family day. And my favorite way to start off a family day is to pop on Undeceived before we start a 40-minute drive. Uh, wife loves it. Kids love it. Everyone loves it. That's what I tell myself. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm listening to it in the Century Media version, which I think is what's on the stream. Uh, it right. starts with the song Undeceived. Right. And I'm like, you can't start this record off with Undeceived. You've got to build up to that. You know, like yeah. you got to start with Inferno. Like that yeah. that song is like a perfect opening track. <laughs> like I, I just I don't understand how they could start it with Undeceived. But uh, yeah, that aside, we're all talking about the same record, so we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever heard the Century Media version. Um, 
I had no idea there was a version out there with Undeceived as the first track. Yeah. Somebody thought, this is a good idea. Let's go with it. Uh, it's not a, It's not like Undeceived is a terrible song, but it's just like, I don't know, man. Like this, the, the way Inferno starts off the record, it's just, it was meant to be. And like, oh my God. <laughs> what were your guys' first impressions of Undeceived? Um, so the album that I got... Um, uh, this is going to sound like it's a pretty big dig on the band, but it's not. Oh no. Um, the, the mastering seemed to have no low end seemed to be all top heavy. Really? Yeah. At least the CD that I got, it was all top heavy. There was almost no low end. Um, so I kind of felt like it wasn't mastered well. Um, I'd liked, um, See, so the yeah, the solid state version that has undeceived second. I I agree with that. That you know, opening up with Inferno and then undeceived second was a way. And well, that's the way I listened to the album. And when that you know, when undeceived hit with the uh, um, um, with the quartet, uh, it sounded so amazing. Um, and again, you know, Extol pushing the the envelope. Of, of metal to do something like that was pretty uh pretty amazing yeah i i think i i think i actually took issue with this record uh it took me a while to actually appreciate it when it came out because the vocals were so different from burial because i think he did two two vocal tracks and brought it way down oh yeah and uh it took me it took me a good a good long while before I was like I like this album, but you know I think that I think that the songwriting is really what brought me through that whole thing. You know, these songs are just on another level. They are, and they're on another level in and, a weird way. Oh, go ahead. No, it's just a, I I have sung the praises of Ola Barud for so long. He's just he's this sounds crazy, but he's easily one of my top five favorite metal guitar players ever. He's just oh, so yeah. good, no doubt. But and and him with the combination the level of, of creativity, I I agree that Extol at that at that point was you know very much Ola and Krister as guitar players. But you know you look down the line and you see like I know I'm jumping ahead, but you look at the at the the structure of the songs on the self titled record. And the things that I can identify that I appreciate about the songwriting have it was made apparent to me that it was always the things that Ola brought to the table. So that's all I'm saying is I I love I love his guitar playing. I love his phrasing, um, and it is it's always just keeps you on your toes. And those are the things that make you come back, just like death always kept me coming back you know uh the the guitar riffs man it's all about the riffs i don't know i, I would it's say great. with both burial and with undeceived that the lines were fairly blurred between um Christer and ule um um did we just lose josh i'm bringing him back in okay um you know i can kind of hear both of them i think where it becomes more apparent in who's who is in their next album synergy but um i don't know if you want to go there yet do you want to go there there's a couple of things i wanted to say about undeceived and the first thing was what's up joe oh okay 
How's that? That's better. Smooth. There's a couple of things I wanted to say about Undeceived. Number one, they are the songs are at another level, but it's done in a unique way in that I think these songs are more straight ahead in, in the sense that they're not simplistic. I would never call this band simplistic. You know, it's just that they went for song structures that were a little bit easier to digest than maybe on Burial, where I said, you know, you can listen to Burial a hundred times. I see that. And, and not hear everything. Yeah, uh, I, I see that. I see what you're saying with that. And so they, they definitely beefed it up in the heaviness department, you know, like, because the version I think, I think sounds very bottom end heavy. And um, I don't know, again, if like there was like a remaster done or somebody went in and fixed it or something from the original run, because <laughs> stuff like that does happen, you know, like uh, oh, yeah. they may not advertise it or, or maybe they sent out an unmixed version in the first, you know, or something dumb like that or an unmastered version. But I thought this was really, really bottom end heavy. I think that the vocal assault is so much more pronounced on this record, but there's good things and bad things about it. Like as a listener, I love it. I love like how like on the seat goes like I mean it just it's so brutal and, and like and like in your face, but it like once you've been doing a podcast for three years and you've listened to tons and tons and tons of records. You're like, okay, he's got two vocal tracks going on at the same time, one high, one low, and maybe even doing the Zayo thing in places where there's like a whisper track in there as well, and it's just turned way up. Like, it's like clipping. It's so loud. Solid State Records in 2000. Yeah, Come dude. On. Like, this, is, <laughs> yeah. this was absolutely like, you can tell it's faked, you know, to a certain degree, because when you see the songs live, it sounds like Burial again, you know, like, yeah, you know, exactly. so, so it, it, they, it was definitely like a studio trick to get the vocals to be where they were at the level that they were. And I remember just being like, this is really, really, really cool. This is so awesome. I love I love every song on the record. Like Burial, some of the songs had to kind of grow on me over time. Undeceived, it was like first listen, you finish it. You're like, oh, my God, that's the best record I've ever heard in my life. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and especially especially when you're like 18, you know, you're just like everything everybody else listens to sucks. You know, right. get away from me with that between the buried or whatever with me. Like, this is so much better. And it's not really, but it's like one of those, like, you know, um, you want to, because, you know, as a young, jealous, or jealous, as a young, zealous Christian man, I always wanted to be like, my Christian metal bands are so much better than all these other ones that are out there. <laughs> and uh, I'm still like that to a certain degree, but like, it's. 2003, uh, Dan called. He said, listen to Zayo. Right. So <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> It was definitely like an experience for me and, and, and one of the greatest records, I think, for for that scene, like the Christian death metal scene or whatever. And this one definitely leaned a lot heavier towards death metal. Uh, and there wasn't as much yeah, black, like black metal blasting and stuff, which I kind of miss. Like in retrospect, it's like I kind of miss that about Burial versus Undeceived, where it's like I liked kind of never really knowing what they were going to do next with Burial, whereas on Undeceived. They weren't predictable songs, but they were more straight ahead. They were more straightforward. And that that's all I got. I just that record that record meant a lot to me for such a long time that like it's it's undeniably one of the greatest records ever and it's it's a close second as far as my favorites go. I I love I love Undeceived. I think that it I think it stands the test of time. Uh my my only gripes about it is vocally. I I think that I think that the dual vocals, they definitely had a place 
in a very small window of time in the early 2000s. I think that we have gotten further away from that as we've, you know, grown as humanity and realized that we don't want the doubled vocals that sound un unrealistic. Like if you can't do it live, don't put it on a record. I I think that that album is so raw though. And I think that a lot of that has to do with how they mix the bass. Uh, and uh, so I think that the bass mix made that record sound the way that it does. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I mean, I I still liked Burial better, but it's not to say that I didn't like Undeceived. I definitely liked Undeceived, but Burial for me edged out just a little bit. And it, it, it wasn't just a oh, well, that's the first album of a band because you know, as we get later into this into the discography, Burial's not my favorite, but it's up there. Um, but yeah. I'm glad you brought up Don't Do It Live if you can't do it live. <laughs> right. I want every modern metal band to listen to what Josh from Not Beneath just said. Knock it off with the backtrack and the auto-tune. <laughs> There's one guy up front doing all the work, and I hear five people. Let this be a lesson. Well, voc- vocoders are okay. Ah. Well, vocoders yes. are the exception. <laughs> vocoders are, are awesome. Vocoders are always I will welcome. Say, I will allow. I will allow tracks if they are just harmonies, but you don't get extra guitar tracks. Uh, no. I might. I might allow synth tracks because who wants to bring along an extra uh, an extra guy in the van just to, like hold one <laughs> key down? Hey, you know? we did it. Uh, yeah. We did it with the and guy we had on last week. Money. Why would I split it five ways when I can only split it four? <laughs> Why would I do that to me? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dan, the Maybe. ultimate the ultimate capitalist. Well, yeah. Yes. I, I definitely agree on the on the <laughs> on the vocals thing. Because like to my twenty nineteen ears, I'm like, this sounds fake. You've always had doubled vocals in music. You still do. But at some point, somebody figured out that if you set them at the same level, they don't sound as good as you think they do. Now you need to take the best one. That needs to be up here. And then you can back it up with something if you want to thicken it up just a little bit. But setting them at the same level, right in the center of the mix, it sounds unrealistic. It sounds mechanical because it well, has to be. Well, snap case. Right, then it's fine. Then it's fine. <laughs> well, I think Ian Malcolm sums it Always up really well. Exception. Yeah. <laughs> Ian Malcolm from uh, Jurassic Park sums it up really well. You guys spent so much time trying to figure out whether or not you could. You never stopped to think of, of whether or not you should. Dude, you've been on a Jurassic Park kick lately. What's going on with you? Clever girl. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, like this record definitely, like it, it definitely accomplished what it set out to accomplish. I think synergy was for a lot of people a little bit of a a little bit of a divider. Yeah, I I think part at least for me partly with that is because uh, Peter changed his vocal style so much. Did he change it or did he just start being more honest about what his vocal sounded like? So the thing about synergy that is a div- seems to be the divider, at least in my opinion, is that Peter changed his vocal style and. I, I think he might have just been getting more comfortable or maybe he felt like he needed to change it up to, uh, you know, sometimes vocalists, you know, like their their vocals, you know, uh, might feel like they're, they're getting shredded. So they, they change it up to preserve themselves. But I think that was like, that took a lot for me to get used to, but I loved the songwriting. And later on, 
maybe a few years after the record was released. I really liked it. I think it's probably my favorite release from them now, um, based on that. It, it was a tough pill. Like I really liked his vocals so much, but when he changed it up, it was like, oh, that's really, really different. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Synergy is easily my favorite record, but again, the vocal change was something that had to be kind of like uh, taken in small doses until I really liked it. I don't know. It, it was so every every album has essentially been a drastic change vocally uh, from the very beginning, uh, and it's like you have to you have to be like. Okay, so I was really into it last album. After a while, okay, now I have to realign my tastes just so I can love this album because I need to. Because musically, it's just so, so superior to, you know, other things that everybody's doing. And it was so thrashy. Like, it got so far away from where we had started with Burial and it had gone so far into that rash uh subgenre you know it was so good i you know i love i love all those old thrash records and like for the longest time like crucified and you know uh B- believer you know believer was a huge band for me uh and i think that there's a lot of like that believer uh influence uh that shows up in a couple of their records but mainly uh, synergy. I think that that's a pretty easy call, you know. Believer death. <laughs> well, I think the second record came out on Solid State Records in 2000. Nobody in the band made the decision to double the vocals and make them sound that way. That yeah. was somebody who was in charge of the studio, who was probably assigned by the record label to make it sound the way they wanted it to. We talked about. Truthless Heroes, Project 86, came out on Tooth and Nail at a time when every record that came out on Tooth and Nail sounded like that. Another example is Zayo, Splinter Shards. It came out at a time where somebody decided every record that comes out this year sounds this way. So the lead singer now has had five years on record of finding his voice. He's played countless shows, and now he knows what he sounds like, and he knows how to control his voice in the studio so he's probably just recording a better product and it's not being manipulated as much yeah but it's hard for like a meathead like me <laughs> to go to go from you know you know like that's what you're <laughs> expecting from you know from a band like this like that that is because that's what you've gotten up to this point so when I first, when I mean, when I, I'm not going to lie, like the first time I heard Synergy, I was all like, what the hell happened to this band? You know, like, and, uh, but, you know, like you guys, I mean, we all rocked a lot of Believer records back in the day. And, you know, it's funny you say there's a, a, a small, uh, or there, there, there's a in Believer influence. This sounds like a Believer tribute record. Like, I mean, it really does. I mean, yeah, it's all original material. But, like, oh, my God, were they listening to some Believer, like, extraction from mortality, like, you know, type stuff. And uh, and, and so in that respect, like, just because I'm a meathead doesn't mean I can't appreciate, like, really above average songwriting. Like, this was incredible musically. Like, 
I mean, just on a whole different plane of existence. It's into another, another dimension. You know, like it's 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 a whole different thing. And you know, his vocals are. I think honestly, I think the change in vocals was more just like, well, musically, we're not playing death metal here. We're not playing black metal. You know, we are playing thrash in the style of Believer. That old way showed up on a couple songs. Oh, no, it was, it was one song in particular. It was... Psychopath? Uh, so, no, it was... Oh, yeah, Psychopath, but it was also on uh, Scrape the Surface. Yeah, it was on yeah, Scrape yeah. The Surface. Blood Red um, Cover, he does a little bit yeah, of that vocal. Yeah, there, there too. Yeah, and so it's it's there. Like, they're still extol. Like, there, there can't be anybody else, right? <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think, uh, but I think the change in vocal style had more to do with like, well, it's a thrash record, so it needs to be a thrash vocal. You know, yeah, I, I buy that um, because the, on their demo, their their very first demo, he sounded like he did on the first couple records, uh, their embraced demo. But yeah, this one it was it that was the toughest pill I think of of it to swallow. But even kind of relating or relating it back to. Um, Christer and Ule, to me, this was the album where I can more distinctly hear who, like, who wrote which part. Totally. Um, but uh, I view this one as, I mean, I really, I mean, I don't know, this is the fan in me saying that all of their stuff is really a masterpiece, but to me, Synergy was was their masterpiece. It was so good. But yeah, I mean, really, as soon as I got used to the vocal, and really understood what they were trying to do it it to me it's one of the the very rare front to back albums that you can i can listen to all the way through and not have to skip anything it's so good yes absolutely from start to finish yep it's it's just fantastic It's fine. My kid just came in and was all like, uh, the movie just stopped on its own. <laughs> These are the reasons why I wish we were she's streaming live she's like, on what are you, YouTube. She's like, what are you prepared to do to fix this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Hey, well, is, is my image frozen? At no. All? no, you're fine. Okay. Your background right, is blurred. Yeah, you know what? I just saw that it, that it is. That's fine. I'm I only see Joe. I only see Joe's screen on my on my computer it's all right i like joe he's yeah, handsome you can, you can see the back of my and, neck sometimes uh, like yeah and you're like oh my god dan joe is, moves his head you're like oh my god dan is so much fatter in real life than he looks like on facebook because like i you know i catfish people you know uh, <laughs> rubbernecking i don't remember who it was i think it was i think it was russ from zeo said like oh wow you're like a lot bigger in real life than i thought you'd be <laughs> <laughs> Russ, I'm uh, pretty sure the only thing Russ said on stage was, ah! "Well, yeah, on stage." So this is a dumb side tangent, but like I bought like Zayo like <laughs> worth of beer uh, before they came to town. <laughs> uh, dude, it's so funny because like so I text Scott and I'm like, "Hey, uh, we're outside with beer." Like, and I, dude, I've never <laughs> seen Dan from Zayo just materialize out of nowhere so fast <laughs> like in my life like literally I, hey I, looked, I I got done sending the text and I looked to my right and Dan's just standing there like with his hand out like shaking you know it was either shake hands or give me a funny. beer like one of the two like it was hilarious uh one of our more <laughs> proud moments anyway uh so with uh with synergy 
what do you guys think that like solid state kids thought of synergy? Like if we could take ourselves out of it for a second, like like what what that solid state scene as a whole in 2002, like how Ooh. they would have felt about something like synergy because like those kids didn't grow up on thrash. They grew up on like you know, living sacrifice, like reborn era, you know, like well, I did grow up on thrash and you were the biggest solid state kid that I know. Well, yeah, you did. But so this was one of those, Hey dude, let's meet in the middle on this one. I don't know. I mean, I, I can only say it from the opposite perspective, meaning that I knew a bunch of non solid state kids. And this was the album that got them into extol. Um, even though, you know, again, the, the other albums kind of set it all up. Um, is as to what they were going to sound like so to speak but yeah this this was the one i remember where where other metal metal kids were coming out of the woodwork saying hey have you heard of this band extol but yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah and, you're, you're way late <laughs> and i think that while undeceived was like an album that gave them some notoriety and definitely gave uh some credence to the fact that they were uh a great band uh even outside of the Christian metal scene. Uh, I think that uh, by signing with Century Media, they they gave themselves a little bit more credibility and opened themselves up to a yeah. much wider audience than they would have been uh, in front of if they had just stuck to uh, Solid State. And so it was at the same time that uh, that my old band Narcissist had signed to Abacus Recordings, which was an imprint of Century Media. And so essentially, you know, we ran into Extol at uh, Cornerstone that year. And, nice. You know, I, I was bragging that we were label mates. And <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. We're basically uh, I mean, best friends that, now. He made the shirt that yeah. said, I'm on a record label with Extol. <laughs> Except not at all. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you, were on a, you, were on a, you were on a subsidiary, bro. Still counts. Yes. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. In my, my in my book, it counts. It's association. Yeah, yes, you're basically our only link not. to the band. Yeah, it's not about what the name on the check is. It's about who signs the check. Wait a minute, you guys are getting right. paid. <laughs> Somebody did at some point. I'm not sure. Uh, but I remember, I remember seeing that show that year after Synergy had come out, and it was wild. I mean, they were just. It, I think that that might have been, other than that first time of seeing them not knowing who they were, it was my favorite time ever seeing them. They were just so good, you know. Uh, and I, I've seen. Uh, I think I saw them four times. Uh, so I consider myself very lucky, but it seemed like the only thing that brought them to the States was uh, like Cornerstone and uh, then these little weird tours that they'd get on. Uh, I know that they toured a ton in Europe with like Opus and uh, some other bands, but I just never even heard about tours coming anywhere close in the States. Not to that same level of notoriety oh. like it was in Europe. <laughs> no. no. Yeah, right. Well, um, so I guess this is a weird div dividing point with the band because pretty much after this record, everybody split except Peter, right? Peter and David. And David. And David, David yeah. David it. still, yeah, was still in the band. That's where yeah. the guys from Antric Langsell came into the band. Yes. It was like, well, so crap, everybody quit. Who do we know that can, you know, 
that can come right. in. Like well, the, the situation we've all been in as guys in bands before, where we're like, well, crap, who do I know that would do it? Or like, who can I stand to be in, <laughs> on a bus with for, you know, however long? Dude, that wasn't your thought I, process. I it was who's going to do it. Yeah, that's, I mean, because Tor was, was um, played bass on uh, Mesmerized, and I don't remember if he played bass on Undeceived, but that was kind of their familiarity where, well, oh, well, he played bass for us, let's get him into the band, and uh, then, but then he switched over from bass, if you will, to guitar. So, um, yeah, Blueprint Dives is definitely, you know, they set this thing up. It, to, the closest thing I can think of relating this to would be like when Kaven did Until Your Heart Stops, and then they did Jupiter, and you were like, for, for me, I was like, uh, what is this? <laughs> now, I like Jupiter a lot now, but they, they set this thing up, they, they had their masterpiece, and then Blueprint came out, and I remember putting it in and saying like, how come this doesn't sound like Ule? You know, how come this doesn't sound like Fister? What are you doing? This I sounds will, like Ganglion. <laughs> I will jump in here and say that your analogy may not be perfect because while Caven's Jupiter took threw me for a loop, I now look back on it and be like, that was a masterpiece. Oh, uh, right. Me in the in the meanwhile, uh, I look back on the blueprint dives and while I think it's great and I love singing along with this record, uh, Gloriana is a great tune. I would not look back on it and say, oh, this is a masterpiece. I don't care how many Norwegian Grammys it got nominated for. It's <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> one. It won one. It won Did it? Wow. Let me ask you guys uh, this. Do you guys like yeah. money? I love money. <laughs> I like money. Hey, Dan, can you give me some money? Yeah, it's coming in the mail, dude. As a capitalist, yes, I like money. <laughs> money. Why, Why? like, as musicians, why Why wouldn't you do this record? Oh, I, I get it. This To me, this seems like the, the album that they did. Not to, I don't want to say that they did it to make money, but it was such a departure because band members changing. I think that that was just, it was naturally going to sound very different. But this one to me has the most mass appeal. Um, I don't necessarily know that they did it. I, I wouldn't say that they did it for money, but uh, I, I don't know. I, yeah, that, that's not what I would say about this record at all. I mean, but, money had to have been a factor at least a little bit in that, you know, I think so. And again, it's not because this sounds like top 40 radio, especially not in America, you know, um, so it's not that. And there's there's a lot of like artsy shit on this record. Like that's that's for certain. Uh, it's not just a straight ahead like pop metal album. Like if they wanted to do that, it would have sounded like like a Guns N' Roses album or something like that. You know, like it wouldn't have it wouldn't have sounded like this if, if the only motivation had been money. Well, you have a you different know? Ule in the band now. And yeah, yeah, Tor yeah. is back, but he's not playing bass. He's playing guitar, and no one is credited with the sung vocals. Well, that's Peter. Which yeah. I mean, let's talk about that for a second. Dude's never sung clean ever in on an Exhale record, and here he is, front and center, like singing his heart out. That was different. I didn't believe for a little while that it was Peter. Yeah. I thought that they had gone and gotten a new vocalist. Uh, and I. If you look at it from the outside, you know, and say, well, they just brought in all the guys from Link Cell. Yeah. <laughs> you would think they're going to bring forward uh, 
a record that leads more towards the black metal that they started with. You know, like that first Linksol record is so good. You know, uh, just so much tremolo picking and you know all the things that are like uh, it was still it that first the Solace record by Linksol. Uh, if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. But it was so progressive and black metal at the same time, you know, and it just seemed like we were in such a special kind of window uh, of people just really pushing boundaries in every type of music. I thought this is we're going to get something crazy, you know? Yeah, and I, I agree. What we got was something very different um and i and i really do like this album um it is just it would have been better it would have been better if they had changed the name of the band quite honestly just like uh in my mind they still should have changed zayo's name uh when dan and brett and russ came in that was not the same band uh, hot take <laughs> it's not yeah, it's a I, really that's a really old take yeah, I remember, really going, I remember going through that that phase with with Zayo as well because it was such a because everybody quit except for for Jesse, right? Well, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to say quit. I went left. They they left the band, so it seemed like a different band than the ones that I mean, that you know, to me, like nineteen. There's you know, there's the eras of Zayo. There's the yeah. 1995 era, which had uh, Eric on vocals, right? Uh, and then you had 96 to 98 and that was the Jonas era, if you will, and the, the Roy and the Mick era. And then there's, you know, the, the Dan and Brett, I mean, it was, I'm going to call it the Dan era. Then the Dan era was from 99 to now. Um, and it, yeah, sometimes, you know, like when, when that happens, like a, like a different band, I mean, now in the scope of Zeo, it's, um, like there is really only one Zeo in my in my opinion now because that's the the most long standing one, so to speak. Right. You know the Dan era of Zeo is by far the longest era, but with Extol, um, <laughs> <laughs> with Extol, um, it yeah, this was just such a departure. This was such a this really did seem like a fully a full on different band. Real quick, Danny, check your mic. You sound real far away. Either your it input might have, changed or yeah. something flipped around. It yeah, might have defaulted to your computer mic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it, the, the cable went around my, my back. That's gotcha. all right. That's better. Um, okay. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, cool. th- th- quick, thanks, thanks for saying so. Um, yeah, so the, the longest era of Zeo is the Dan era, but this one... This album was such a departure from from what they had set up, from the style that they had set up, and it took me a while. Like I, I like the album now, but this one was the toughest pill to swallow, no doubt. Barring the example of Zayo, where the drummer believed he was the band, <laughs> no lead singer is going to change the name of the band just because the style of music cosmetically changes. Right. So as much as we think from the fan perspective, if you called it something different, I might not treat it the same way. In the end, it's Extol. You're a fan of the band. This is the music we decided to make this week. So hopefully you're into it, guys. I have a hard time not feeling like I've been deceived 
Like, you knew this wasn't what you were going to put out. You knew it wasn't going to be <laughs> X-Toll the same way that X-Toll has been for the past five to ten years. Right. The worst example I have, but I think it's the most relevant, is when when the guy from Blink-182 decided he was going to do Boxcar Racer. At no point did I say this is going to be another record that sounds like Blink-182 is just going to be missing one of the members. I actually believed it was going to be something different. So now with Extol, I'm hearing a melodic, more Hope's Fall type band. I like it, but if I was a super fan who was way into Burial and way into Synergy, I might be a little upset. Ladies yep. and gentlemen, unpleasable metal fan. Okay, so let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about how I felt about this record in 2004. <laughs> how did you feel about this record in 2004, Dan? 2005, sorry. That's when it came out. It was recorded in 2004. Anyway. He was excited for yeah, it in no, 2004. I about it in 2004. You guys don't have any of your computers <laughs> on, like, speakerphone or anything, do you? No. Okay. No. Three, two, one, go. So in 2005, I was like, fuck this band. <laughs> Like, what are they What are they doing to me? What are they doing to me personally? Like, they must have been standing there in the studio being like, you know what really pissed Dan off? If we did this. Because we know how much Dan loves Undeceived. We know how much he loves Burial. And he thinks he, he, he Synergy's growing on him. You know? What are we going to do that's really going to upset him? So you put out the blueprint dives. When I heard Gloriana, I called one of my buddies. This is just how big of an asshole I used to be. I called my <laughs> I called one of my buddies and I was like, "Yeah, I just listened to the new Extol song on MySpace and it made me physically sick." Like <laughs> like I was like, "Guys, you you can't you can't do this. This is this is horrible." Uh like I, this is just this is this is garbage. It's it's nothing like the band that you would expect to go back to the Langsell thing. I loved Langsell's first album. Oh my god! Like it's one of the best black metal records I've ever heard. Like it's incredible yeah. on multiple levels. So whenever I find out that the dudes from Langsell are kind of taking over Extol, I'm like, you know what? This is probably fine. This might be okay. Yeah, like this might be okay. Like I'm not, you know, I can't think of better guys, you know, that they could have picked. And uh, that was also before I heard the second Link Cell album. Uh, so I, oh my God, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. The second Link Cell album. Uh, but, yeah. But like, I just, I wasn't expecting this and I wasn't in the mindset for it. And I, I wasn't receptive to what they were throwing down like at all, because you did it really is asking a metal fan to step out of their comfort zone and check out something that's not metal with a band that you respect. Like, we're going to take... And again, I think the Cave-In comparison is completely on point, except for the fact that Cave-In continued, like, yeah, Jupiter, Masterpiece, Antenna... Okay, I actually really like Antenna, but, like, it's not... Um, <laughs> but you, but the mindset is is very similar, right? I went, I went through the same sort of internal conflict in with Cave-In as I did with yeah. X-Toll. Like, I was like, I've basically got to sit down and say, okay, the other records don't exist. What is this? What, what, what merit does this have on its own that I can get into, that I can, that I can pull out of it? Does it appeal at God, all to your hopes fall a love? Little, a little bit, a little no. bit, but not really. Um, because you got to think in 2000, well, I don't know, 2005, Hopeful was doing like eight types or something like that, but like they were kind of going through a similar transition, but I don't think they sound the same at all. Uh, but the, uh, I did like the atmospheric nature of it. 
and these guys are still master songwriters. So they're just not writing the kind of songs that I'm used to hearing them playing. So like in 2019, when I listened to, uh, whenever I listened to Blueprint for this podcast, I was like, this is, this is really cool. Like, I like, I like, I like the way it sounds. I like, uh, I like how they, I like how they were accessible, but still weird. And um, I like the vocals. They're not amazing. Cause like, here's the thing, man. Uh, Ola's vocals on the old stuff was so good. Yeah. And Peter is a good singer, but he's not even close to the same level as Ola was, and he doesn't try to be that, and that's fine. Uh, but it's it is it is kind of disjointed. Where you're like, I've got a guy that makes Bruce Dickinson sound like a bitch, <laughs> and but now I've got this other guy. So like a lot of people, you know, a lot of hardcore. Yeah, I'm 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 accusing you guys of having hot takes. That's a hot take. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's a <laughs> but I believe it, dude. If Ola, dude, if Ola started started singing for Iron Maiden, like they'd be my favorite band. Like, you know, like overnight. Uh, but but Peter's Peter's voice had more of an emotional delivery to it. It's they're not emo vocals by any stretch, but you know. He's a good singer. He 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 delivers in a way that I can get behind on a more personal level. And they, they just did a really good job. I don't think that I could have handled what if they would have done something else in a lesser heavy vein again after this. I don't hate Blueprint. I actually really like it. But compared to the other Extol records, it's it's a hard pill to swallow. In in retrospect, yes, it's really like I, I like it now. But when it came out, I'm with you. I was like, I had so much disdain for this record when it came out that it was... Uh, I, I was like, you know, throwing in the towel on the band. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm, you know, this band is done. But yeah, I actually went out and bought it a second time. I found it at the local used CD store uh, maybe a few years ago and gave it another shot. And I'm like, this is fantastic. You know, uh, yes, I agree. Vocally, vocally, that's definitely my sticking point on on almost every album. Uh, and I think that I think that he did a fine job of singing. You know, uh, it just no one saw, no one was going, nobody was buying he, this record for <laughs> this. <laughs> did anyone buy this record? Is yeah. the question. Everybody that wanted the new record by Extol. Yeah. How many That's of them true. still own it? That's the real question. So, did you guys watch the DVD of Light and <laughs> yes. Shade? Yes. Uh, I have a funny story about the DVD. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. You guys first, and then I'll, I'll tell the story. I just wanted to mention this really quick. They're talking about their tour, their U.S. tour for this album, and they're up there playing these songs, and like, they're the fans are just standing there, like, what? What the hell is going on right now? Like, I, I don't, I don't know what they, what they're going for. And he's like, and and it's funny because I think it was Peter. He, he even said like, Chris, he or no, Peter was all like. Yeah, dude, because they're expecting Extol. They just thought we were going to get up there and fucking circle bang our heads for an hour, you know, and that's not what we did. And they were all very upset. I was yeah. one of those. I was. I read some reviews uh, on YouTube recently, and somebody was like, I saw these guys in like 2005, and they only played for like half an hour, and they got off the stage. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have blamed anybody. Nobody probably even moved. They just all stood there, probably drooled on themselves a little bit, and then Extol got off the stage, you know? <laughs> <sighs> I can't imagine seeing them at this point because of 
what high regard I held them at, you know? Um, and I think that at, in 2005, I was very disappointed with this album, but... Crashed. What was the story, Danny? I want to hear it. Was it Danny or Josh said the story? Danny's got the story. Oh, okay. Okay, so this is for Extol's self-titled, right? We can move on to that. Yeah, we're there. We're there. The DVD. DVD of Light and Shade or whatever. Of Light and Shade. I'm an executive producer of that. uh, (laughs) What? Yeah. If you go look through the credits, I'm one of the executive producers of uh, of Light and Shade. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> well, well, we'll dig into that uh, a little bit later off mic. Uh, crowdfunding is great, right? Crowdfunding. Yeah, you know, because that was one of the things where when I found out that Ule was going to be back in the band, uh, quite honestly, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I have a once in a lifetime opportunity to then be a, be you know, be an executive producer. And all really an executive producer is is somebody who fronts the money. Right. And, uh, yeah, I forked over uh, 500 bucks to, to be an executive producer and get all of the uh, like bonus things about <laughs> about this DVD. That's and, really cool. Uh, CD release. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, though. After Blueprint, Extol was just like not there anymore like they they were just oh, they gone, gone uh, completely yeah. gone they were actually gone they really yeah. were nobody knew what was going on with them and i i read a or not read i listened to a podcast where they interviewed uh peter and they're like where have you been all this time and he was all like yeah i had some weird psychological issues where i couldn't even leave my house for years <laughs> Like he was afraid of like public places, and I'm not like talking trash on him or an airing his dirty laundry. Like he he said it on a podcast, like you know. Uh, so I mean, he he threw it out there for everybody. But he was like, yeah, he's like, I had to have like multiple therapy sessions. He's like, I was afraid of public places and like getting on elevators and you know, like well, was it agoraphobia? It was just a yeah, it was just it was just a uh, unfortunate mental thing that just hit him all at once. You know, like I mean, you can't tour doing that. You know, you can't. You can't yeah. play shows. You can't go anywhere. And, uh, you know, like he still, I think, struggles with that to a certain extent, which is why it was so surprising that they were back all of a sudden in 2013. And they're like, we're putting out a new record. And I remember hearing the clips from that record and being like, oh, my God, they're back. Oh, my God, they're back. <laughs> this is all going to be OK. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, my goodness. Well, I think he had some hearing issues, too. I think that he had like a really severe case of tinnitus, you know, like the ringing in your ears that it can have balance. You can have balance issues. Yeah, absolutely. I thought I heard that, too. But um, yeah, yeah, they went on hiatus and came back and kind of, I don't know that. The, their self-title, I think, is just, it's stupid. It's so good. It's a masterpiece. It's my favorite yeah, record by the band. It's the perfect blend of the death metal, the melodic guitar playing, and the major thrash influence. I completely agree. I feel like, I, I don't know that I've ranked any of these any of these albums. I could probably do it if you put me on the spot real fast. But I, apart from one track on this, on this self-titled release, I feel like it is fantastic, you know, and specifically, uh, what's the, was it tracks 10 and 11? It was the tracks extol, uh, which was kind of funny because it's extol on the album extol by the band extol. Yeah. Gotta have that. Uh, so it would have been ministers and extol those two albums right there, uh, together. 
I, I thought that that was a great like one-two punch at the back end of an album that I don't necessarily see in a lot of a lot of albums anymore. You know, where you're like getting nearing the end and you're like, yes, this is so good. You know, I it's been a while since I have felt like that. Uh, maybe oh, what was there was a moment on. Uh, Gore Guts Colored Sands record, which actually came yeah. out the same the same year that the self-titled record came out in 2013, uh, where uh, they had written like a song that basically sounded like a, a movie soundtrack. You know, it sounded like a movie score, uh, and then it went right into the next track, and it's right in the middle of that album, and it's like tracks five and six maybe, and it just felt so weird that. You know, the the score track sounded like it was, you know, uh, it was super intense and it went into my favorite song on that album. But I I think that Extol is probably my favorite song on the Extol self-titled. And Ministers was a really high point uh, right there as well. Um, So I've just really come to love that album. because it's so strong in multiple places. And I mean, like, uh, I don't know that it is as even across the board as Synergy is, but it has very high points. Uh, it's It's got some low points as well that are like, I'm not, I don't love the record. Like, I don't love this specific track, but the high points are fantastic, you know? So are you saying that you're really a fan of Extol? <laughs> yeah yes yeah <laughs> yes i love yeah. Xtol so much i love the band i love the record i love the song you name it Xtol, i'm your guy yeah Xtol, Xtol, Xtol is my favorite <laughs> by by the way i just got that you've been saying that for years yeah well uh <laughs> Would you do you guys think that they sat down and wrote this album after they got together and sat down as a band and wrote all these songs? Or do you think that this was like all of the ideas that they'd had in the internum, you know, between Blueprint or even whenever like Ola uh, Ola left the band? You know, so do you remember when I said there was a new Ole on the next on the previous record? Yeah. Well, the original Ole. Yeah, the original plays the, all of the guitars he and plays bass everything on yeah. the self-titled. So this, this is all him. Yeah, yeah. I and, I and I don't think that it is. I think that they probably got together and said we've got some sort of unfinished business after Synergy. And I don't really think that Ola was really looking at like we have to. Oh, we have to make up for Blueprint dives. Gotta totally let me make up for that blueprints dive thing. Uh, um, you finally came crawling it, back. <laughs> it is. It is obviously, you know, like uh, very much Ola's songwriting here. Uh, I don't know that it had been anything sitting around. I bet he was kicking it around in the back of his head. But he wrote a bunch of like these pop records. Uh, super funky pop records they're they're so fun you know um but which is a testament to the depth of his talent you know 
where he can make something that's actually pretty appealing that has nothing to do with metal. Uh, you know, I'd be lying totally. to say I listen to a lot of anything else, but uh, it, it's appealing. It's fun. You know, I find that the things that I do listen to outside of metal are usually like funk or <laughs> or just something, you know, something fun, you know? Bravo. So anyway. Well, in the uh, in the spirit of wrapping up, what would your guys' final thoughts on X-Toll be, like overall? Uh, I there's there's nobody like them. They, there's you know, there's there's a few bands that uh that that stand out to me as being like the innovators of our genres you know to me living sacrifice was was one of those bands um uh you know strong arm you know definitely i mean advent of a miracle right but when i think about a a band's scope of work and how they still still like or the dillinger escape plan mashuga like bands that really stand apart I think that Extol is one of those bands that just stands apart. I mean, the self-titled album is is brilliant. It's I think their best produced album, but just as as a whole, there's nobody really has able to do what they've been able to do, and I think that's what makes them a great band. That's what makes them a great effort. Josh, what about you? I would say that they have left. Uh, let's go with indelible, an indelible mark on the face of metal, uh, not only within the Christian music scene, but I think that they are a well-regarded band uh, across all boards. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they pushed boundaries that I don't know of a lot of bands that have pushed the same boundaries that they have, uh, especially while being as technically proficient as uh as extol was um you know there were a lot of ideas um you know counterpoint guitars that you know you heard a lot in death and cynic and you know a lot of my favorite bands use that whole counterpoint uh approach to count to guitar parts um and it's just they they changed my perspective on what can be pro- progressive, can be uh, that can be death metal, you know. And I think that that's what makes that's what makes uh, the great bands great is that they make you change your ideas about what you had or, uh, originally uh, set in stone, and it just kind of like demolishes all of that and says. No, you're wrong. It can be something completely different. Um, and so the bands that like stick with me are always these bands that have challenged those things inside me to say, oh, I was completely wrong. Death metal doesn't have to be this. It can be everything else as well. You know? Uh, and so I love, I love the history that like from the very beginning extol changed and expanded my viewpoints in that like i heard them and immediately had never heard anything quite like them and wanted to know more so and that's kind of where it took me their entire career it was always something something very different from the last thing 
Dude, you guys uh, stepped up your final thought game from last time. <laughs> I don't know if I could top that. Uh, not that that's the goal, but uh, I think that Extol is one of the most important bands from this scene. That being oh, yeah. kind of the Christian death metal scene, which might sound like an oxymoron to some people even today. Uh, which is just crazy to me uh, with how much that scene has grown, you know, from the from the mid 90s to now. Like, it's just insane the amount of bands that have come out. But there's never been a band that has stood out like x has and really kind of shined a light in the darkness in a way where people that are traditional metal fans, you be it Christian or non, they really... You can't deny the talent there, the creativity there. And um, this is across multiple members. You know, I think it's easy to throw it all on one guy and be like, he's the reason why the band was good, you know? And I don't I don't think that's 100% fair. I think even, even, even without those founding members, the band was still able to craft things that were interesting and cool and, and stuff that people could get behind, even if they didn't necessarily feel that way about it in that moment. You know, it, it was always a grower, and Extol has always been a grower. And even to this day, like, I was driving with my wife, uh again to a family event over the weekend and we were listening to Extol against their will and uh <laughs> they and and i was like oh my god well how come i haven't listened to this band in like five years like they do all the things that they do all the things that i love about metal why don't why am i not listening to them constantly you know and and not very many bands especially with the nature of what we do on this show stick with me like that that's fair it's very fair what do you got joe X-Toll is a band I should listen to more. I was not a scene kid, but I listened to those bands. I was a classic thrash, 80s, Slayer, Megadeth. Later on, all of your hard rock bands and grunge and whatever the scene was at the time. I appreciate that, but my core is in classic thrash metal. X-Toll was a band, whenever I'd look at the record, my reaction was, it's there. It'll be there when I want to listen to it. I was never compelled to listen to it, but when I found it, I was so happy that there were other bands that did the style of songwriting that I'm a fan of when I'm a guitar player. And every time I listen to X-Toll, maybe because I haven't listened to them enough, I'm surprised by something. I find a comparison that I kick myself for. Last week, I was listening to Opeth, and I really wanted it to sound like this, but it just didn't. Oh, wait, Extol did that back in 2003? Well, this is my fault. I should have been listening to this. So for anyone that listens to death metal, progressive metal, and wants to be fucking surprised when the band decides to do melodic rock in the middle of their career, you should listen to Extol. <laughs> uh, Danny, what's your album of the week? Let me change the question. Does anybody want to tell me that their album of the week is not Circleback Terminus? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that that's not my album of the week. <laughs> uh, John Marino does it again. John Marino does it again. What a class act, man. <laughs> like, oh my dude, goodness. Dude. I talked to that dude for two, <laughs> for, for, for two hours uh, a couple yeah. weeks ago for my other podcast, and it was just... But it's funny, we actually had to cut 45 minutes of that conversation out because it was just me and John talking about Zayo. <laughs> like, so this is what I need. Danny, circle back. Terminus. Go. This is the end. 
Josh, <laughs> circle back. Terminus, go. Uh, wait a minute. Am I supposed to be doing uh, vocal renditions of the album? Uh, you can do that, or you can just say, circle back. Terminus. <laughs> circle back. Terminus. Came out on my birthday. Go listen to it. Hey, the Not Beneath album came out on my birthday. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, happy, happy birthday. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. Do, do I get to do a vocal rendition, please? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, oh, oh man. This is going to suck so bad. My screaming vocals have gotten so bad over the years. <laughs> do it. All right. We're on the hunt for you. Your worst nightmare is coming true. Your closed mind will fail, and in the end, we will prevail. <laughs> well done. Not really. <laughs> oh, man. You even did it without getting the tickle in your throat. and make you <laughs> It's still in there. He just oh, needs man. to work on it. Yeah, I do. I need to, like, really practice up. But, uh, you know, because I, I, I've been talking to John about trying to get them to come to our town, so... Uh, if I can arrange that, I, I need to, you know, I need to get my jump on the stage uninvited guest vocal thing going on really quickly. Nice. So there are very few front men as good as John. I am. We are very privileged to have been able to, to work with them and uh, do as much as, as we have uh, between all of our projects and, you know, circle back included. Uh, he's yeah. he's really he's something else. He's definitely a very charismatic dude. Like I did not oh, want to yeah. get off the phone with him, and I was like, "All right, we got to go. It's like ten o'clock, you know." So kind of like tonight. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thank you guys so it. much, Josh, Danny. What's going on with Not Beneath? Uh, not Beneath. Uh, we are uh, a bunch of full time working dads with uh, with kids. Uh, we are uh, trying our best to get uh, ready to play some shows. We've got a band. We are currently a four-piece. Uh, we are um, just trying to get everybody up to speed. We had some some uh, people take some time off due to birth of children, which is totally all right. You know, we want to be. We just want to be dudes that get together and have fun and play music with our friends because uh, we're not out here trying to make a ton of money. Uh, we're insanely privileged to think that anybody has appreciated what we've created. Uh, I think that that is the biggest payment for any creative uh, is that somebody actually takes what you created and said, I appreciate this or it yeah. means something to me. So the fact that we have people in our lives uh, that are saying that to us makes us feel incredible, you know? And so the only other thing that we really want to do at this point is just get out and play some live shows. Uh, we've definitely got um, a little bit of work to do still, but I think that we're going to come out and kill it very soon uh, for all those who are hoping to catch us live. Um, so, you know, we'd love to get around to writing some new material. Uh, we are all very, very busy. Um, we've written some other goofy stuff that hasn't quite made the, <laughs> the one thing about me and Danny is our, our creative output seems to always be very high. So we have released a lot of silliness. Uh, we have a number of joke bands. Um, 
uh, our our band Down by Contact, which is mostly just songs about the Browns. Uh, <laughs> Typical. Yeah, we even did a song that was like it was originally going to be like a circle back, like ver- like we were going to do a circle back song about the Browns, and that's how the, when you look at the video, that's like circle back was a part of that. Yeah, but um, it really ended up becoming Down by Contact. So we have that. We have Urine Trouble Now. Oh um, no. Which oh, was no. originally going to be called Urethra Franklin, but that name was already taken. <laughs> so we wrote a song called that. We also have a band called Bill Burzum. So uh, that might be our crowning achievement. It's really, really amazing. Um, but yeah, I, well, Josh and I kind of the qu- the quick thing is that we are going to have a sophomore album. We said that we always wanted to write a sophomore album. It's going to happen just when we don't know. I have a suggestion and yeah, a request. Yeah. Absolutely. Not Beneath, featuring Discuss Metal Dan, Return of the Mac. By Mark Morrison. <laughs> Think about it. Okay. <laughs> now make it happen. <laughs> now, I re- now I really have to practice my vocals. Uh. Maybe we could put that under a different uh band name under yeah. a different moniker if you will uh yeah. maybe our side band crapital punishment more yeah, of crapital punishment hold on oh hold on it's coming to me more for mortification no i don't know i can't do it never mind well um another one that we're we're working on is david lee gorgoroth <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we also wanted to do one uh, called Mayhem. Yeah, Mayhem. <laughs> Mayhem. I love it. Yeah. Love it. This was a big, and now it is eventually. ham. Uh, eventually, there's going to be a best of all of our joke bands. That's amazing. Uh, and that's gonna. It'll just be a compilation. Press and, it to vinyl. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It'll be, <laughs> be, be amazing. It'll all be 30, 30 tracks, all like less than a minute and a half long. Yeah. It's good. Right. <laughs> Have you ever been listening to this podcast and thought to yourself, why do they keep talking about these bands that I don't care about? Talk about bands that I care about. Here's the thing, man. I'm not a freaking mind reader. I can't, I don't know what your favorite band is. You got to tell me. Luckily, due to modern technology, there's tons of ways you can tell me. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can reach out to me and Joe personally if that's your bag at Discuss Metal Dan or Discuss Metal Joe on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook under Facebook.com slash Discography Discussion. We have an official group there that you can join. Just ask to join the group and you will be led into the wonderfulness that is that group. Speaking of awesome groups, we have a Discord server set only for people to listen to Discography Discussion. You can click on the link in the show notes and you will be taken to our Discord server where people are talking to us all the time. We're all in there. It's it's officially us. It's not a weird thing. Check it out. Join in in the conversations there. Let us know what your favorite band is. Let us know how you're doing. Let us know what you think about the show. One of the things that you can do that really helps us out as a podcast is to contribute to our Patreon. Our Patreon has been the lifeblood of our podcast since we started. The people that have contributed have done amazing, and I want to shout some of them out right now. We have Alexander, Brian Dean, David Brown, Jeffrey De Los Santos, The Actual Mac, Kiki Kuti, Do You Love Me? I Do Love You, Lance Allegood, The King of Metal, Native Keebs, Patrick Asplund, Samuel 
Neil Woodward and Zach Barr. You guys are the music makers. You are the dreamers of the dreams. Thank you so much. And on that note, this has been episode 141 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. 